was a, a sharp clap, James. Yeah, what was that sound afterwards? The whimper. I uh, I cut my <laughs> hand earlier, <laughs> and so when I clapped, it hurt. <laughs> oh man! You know my hands are so dry from just the cold winter weather, and also me washing my hands mm. like all the time. Mm. I need to I need to get a nice lotion for my hands, James. What did you do to your hand again? Cut it. Yeah, but how did you cut it? What did you cut oh, it with? Uh, the silliest thing. Um, I, I cut it on the corner of my coffee table. <laughs> <laughs> you have the sharpest coffee table. Yeah, well, this this was me being very uh, fast, oh. by which I mean I <laughs> fell. So, <laughs> so the oh, velocity thanks. of my hand could have probably cut it on an apple at that point. James, oh, wow. I'm so sorry that you did that. I'm sorry that we had to clap. We had to do a sing <laughs> clap, but here we are, you guys. Um, welcome to the 13th Floor Podcast. I am Cece. I'm Alex. I'm James. Here we are, you guys. Another week, another odd episode, and this week we're going to be talking about shapeshifters. Mm. Are you guys excited? Yeah. James, how have you been? Been okay. How about you? Been okay. Just chugging along i'm chugging along. alex and i started our diet so mm. yeah Live it's been way. great it's been wonderful i've been gluten-free for two days and i hate my life <laughs> and then we're also like just cutting back we're really we're working down to like this is how bad it's gonna be james no iodized salt no iodized salt <laughs> no salt which means i can't buy anything anywhere no no iodized salt what why that's it's just for the week when i do my core restore it's yeah it's a uh, it's it's gonna be crazy james yeah no no iodized salt for my acupuncturist <clears throat> she gave me a little book that says what we can and cannot eat and that's not on it and then when i go on the full detox for like a full week I can't have eggs. I can't have dairy. I can't have anything. Oh, man. It's going to be tough. It's going to wither and die. Yeah. Alex, is, <laughs> Alex has been, he's been really helpful with all of his anger and <laughs> frustration over not being able to eat what he wants to eat. So yeah. it's been lovely. I did make a delicious chicken lentil soup yesterday, though. So good thing I was there to season it with some pink Himalayan salt. Yeah. Smell salt. Anyways, uh, that's what we've been up to is just kind of like suffering through not eating. <laughs> You've been um, up to suffering. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> suffering. I love that. Two. That needs to be that needs to be a meme. What have you been up to? Suffering. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, yeah, that's what we've been up to. Um, mm. And then researching for this dang topic, James. Mm. CC had trouble this week. Everybody. Oh my gosh, I had some trouble, mm. y'all, and I'll tell you about it here in a minute, but. I guess we we need to talk about our Patreon because it's rapidly approaching, right? Yeah. 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 So, you guys, we worked on some of our episodes this past week, and we've got some really fun things planned for you, including a segment called James Explains It All, hmm. where we give James a question that he has not been prompted. He does not know what we're going to ask, but we ask him a question, and then he just goes into everything hmm. to yeah. provide us with an answer oh yeah it was fun it was fun it, it was, was fun, fun. It was fun. yeah so anyways our patreon's going to be launching soon keep an eye out for it we'll let you know once once it's out for real but keep your eyes on that we'll probably be making our announcement on our instagram at 13th floor podcast then our website 13th floor podcast.com yeah yeah See? so you'll have a link there yeah. Do we have an icebreaker, you guys? Oh. 
Well, we're covering shapeshifters. So, oh, okay. This is this is this would be a fun icebreaker for any occasion, not just uh, not just for this episode. But if you could, at will, at will, turn into any animal and back again, what animal would you rather be? Ooh, that's a good question. That's a yeah. good question. So, what where uh, would you? What where would you be? I would be a were cat. Really? I would be a were cat because cats like they love the good life. In my opinion, they <laughs> just get to sit and lounge wherever they want. They don't have to work. It's great. Uh, you know, I'd probably be a were eagle. A were eagle? Yeah. Oh, it yeah. would be nice to be able because I, I I don't want to be a smaller bird because then you have to worry about the bigger birds. Mm. No, you have to worry about if I'm the, if I'm a big Cece. bird, I don't have to worry about anything. That'd be good. Fun fact. Eagles are incontinent. All birds do not have sphincters, so that's why they just crap it. Well, that's okay. I mean, I'm flying. I don't care. <laughs> Good point. I'm just like, Good point. That's, that's true. <laughs> I'm flying. I'm just like, oh, there's James. Bloop, 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 bloop. <laughs> <laughs> James, what about you? Oh, man, that's kind of tough, even though I'm the one who asked the flipping question. Yeah, he'd be a wear cuttlefish. <laughs> I, I thought about it. I really thought about it. Oh, man. <laughs> Actually, you know what? Yes, that's exactly right. That's exactly yeah, right. You can you can turn invisible. Right. Basically, you can breathe water. You can walk yeah. around on this, land for a little bit. This is my thing with that, James. Is mm-hmm. like, who would you be able to interact with anybody? Because whoever sees cuttlefish anywhere, mm. well, he doesn't care. He wants to explore. Yeah, I don't want to interact with anybody while I'm an eagle. Yeah, all of a sudden, seventy <laughs> percent of the world just opened up to me. Yeah. The ocean. I was thinking about that. I was thinking about something that would go in the ocean, but I was like, you know how many predators there are? That, in the ocean? No, see, that's, like, that's the big really- downside. Oh, well, here's a fun question, though. Here's here's a weird thing, though. I mean, law of conservation of mass. You'd be a gigantic eagle, and CC. I mean, assuming we don't have to play by these rules, but CC, <laughs> you'd be. If you're talking about a house cat, I was about to say, if you're talking about a house cat, people would freak out. Be like, oh my god, I just saw like a. <laughs> A hundred pound Maine Coon walked down the street. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So if I was a if I was a five foot eight cuttlefish, I mean, I'd be the scariest thing in the world, probably. Mm-hmm. To some things, I bet you there are some things in the ocean that would be like. Until a shark sees you and goes, "Oh, second. that actually looks appetizing now." <laughs> well, you know, you know, in our our Patreon episode. Hmm. where James discusses what we asked him to discuss. He yeah. talks a lot about cats. Oh, yeah. So I if did. you guys want some really interesting information on kitty cats, stay tuned. <laughs> stay tuned. <laughs> so, you guys, is it time to jump into our topics? Let's dive in, if you're James. Hey. I'm not going to dive. I'm going to shapeshift. Okay. Because I'm going first, remember? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Today I'm talking about Diableros. I watched a YouTube video that ca- kept calling them Diablero. Ugh. Anyways, what is a Diab? Uh, Good luck. You, you're not going to say it I'm right now. I'm in my now. brain now. <laughs> no. What is a Diablero? What is it, it's a, you guys? It sounds like a, a, a devil thing. It, yeah, Duh, you know what? That's kind of close, but there are a lot. There's a lot of differing information on Google, you guys, about Diableros. Hmm. First and foremost, Google it lists that Diablero is a Spanish television series that has two seasons <laughs> on Netflix. I knew you'd make some reference to the Netflix show. Yeah, is there season three? 
We don't know yet. People are all up in arms about it because Netflix hasn't decided yet if it's going to renew. Well, they probably will do like they did Glow and just can it, even though it's great. Yeah. You know, it's funny. When I hear the word Diablero, I actually think of that song, Bombaleo, and I'm like, Diablero, Diablero. Yeah, my favorite song. Well, (laughs) when I was trying to do my my research on Diableros, Literally everything was about the TV show. So I was like, okay, well, maybe the TV show plot will give me some information about what a Diablero is. And the plot, uh, per Googs, Diablero is about a young preset, quote, enlists the help of a demon hunter and a paranormal expert to search for a kidnapped girl in the underworld of Mexico. So nothing about Diableros. Nothing. No. Nothing on what Diableros are in there. I don't even know if it's a good show. I was going to watch an episode of it so I could talk about it here on the show and let you guys know what I think. Mm. Um, and also see, maybe it talks about what a Diablero is. And then it says she watched some cake show. So I did. I ended up watching <laughs> Best Baker in America. It was wonderful. So anyways, Diablero is a TV show. Uh, but also, let's move on to the next definition of Diablero. This is per theculturetrip.com. Per them, a Diablero is... A dolly cart operator. <laughs> yeah. In Mexico, a job that some people have is transporting various items and goods with on this little like dolly cart across town. Like they'll push it all over the place. It's pushable. <laughs> and people who handle said dia uh they're called Diablos is the name of the cart. Uh, people who handle the Diablos are called Diableros. Why in the world would the carts be called Diablos? Because they take them to they, the pits. I bet of you the hell. No, I bet you anything it's it's like when you get a shopping cart with one of those wonky wheels. <laughs> it's like the devil cart. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. Yeah, uh, that's definitely it. My new favorite word now is Dolly Diablo. That That's such a cool thing. Dolly Diablo. Dolly Diablo. Well, <laughs> before I continue on, you guys, can I just stress to you how difficult it was finding information <laughs> on Diableros of the shape-shifting variety? Mm. I had to get like seven pages deep on Google to find anything that was even <laughs> decently relevant. And when you get seven pages into Google, you get into some really freaky territory. Yeah, it gets weird. Yeah, it got weird. But fortunately, it was Reddit to the rescue with just the slightest bit of information on a Diablero. And according to the post, a Diablero is believed by some to be an evil sorcerer that can shape shift into different creatures at will. Yeah, which that's is exactly what right. we're talking about. Yeah, well, thank you, Reddit. And the post, it pointed me in the direction of an author named Carlos Castaneda. And he wrote a ton of books that ran through his experience and apprenticeship in shamanism. And his first piece is a book titled The Teachings of Don Juan. It came out in 1968, I think. But according to Castaneda, Don Juan was his teacher who may have himself been trained by a Diablero or was maybe a Diablero himself. It's all kind of fuzzy. James, why are you huffing and puffing over there? Oh, I, I, it's just interesting because yeah, I I'm a fan. It scared me. I thought I thought that I said. I was going to say is he's just making these sounds like this is not. I growl and grumble a lot, but no, no, <laughs> okay. that's yeah. Maybe he's a Diablero. See, this is the thing, you guys. Sometimes when I do a topic and James gives me something, because James was like, "Cece, I think you should do Diableros." I get nervous when it's time to present. <laughs> and I'm like, James knows more than I do. Oh. And he's going to judge me if I say something wrong. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, 
Perfect. So anyways, so Castaneda, he begins training with Don Juan, okay? So I'm going to talk a little bit about his sorcery. So he starts training with Don Juan to learn all of the stuff. And another account that he writes about in his book, and I'm not sure if this was pre-meeting Don Juan or after, but Castaneda writes that he was driving in his car down the highway with two friends. And all of a sudden, this giant dog crosses the road in front of them. And one of the friends is like, that's not a dog. It's a coyote. And they all agree. But wait, but wait. This coyote is like two sizes bigger than a normal coyote. Mm. So like in our icebreaker, it's like if I were a shapeshifter into a house cat, I'd be like the biggest house cat in the world. That's kind of what's going on here. It's a it's a very large coyote. It's a chonky boy. It's a chonky boy. And <laughs> then someone in the car mentions maybe it might be a Diablero. And then Castaneda's like, wait, what? And his ears perk up. And he's like, what are you talking about? And then he starts asking around about like people's experiences with Diableros. Are they real? What is it? And he gets some different accounts from different people. But he says that Diableros are believed of within the Sonoran Indian culture. Which yeah. they're in like Sonora, Mexico area. And he gets differing accounts from these people that he asks about Diableros. So one person tells him, oh no, they're not real anymore. Diableros aren't real. And Castaneda here is not anymore. And so he's like, okay, they used to be real. I want to hear more. And this account came from an old man. But the old man claimed that Diableros used to be real. But as far as he knew, they had all been killed because, you know, they're evil. Right. And he claims that back in 1942-ish, a tribe of people actually killed the last Diablero, and that was just the end of them. Hmm. So they burned the Diablero alive. Oh, fun. Yeah. yeah. So well, you know that there's. I think there's a huge parallel between Diableros and uh, Skinwalkers. James, we talked about that. Oh, okay. James, stepping on your cloud. Stepping on my cloud. (laughs) <laughs> I'll mention I'll mention skinwalkers here in a minute. I'm not going to get too crazy into it. But then, James, that's going to be your turn to step in and say, hey, Cece, this is what you didn't learn on Google. You should have gone to page eight for this part. Oh, my goodness. So mm. then another person. This is another account that Castaneda got from a woman. And she acts kind of skeptical about Diableros being around. Uh, but she also kind of lets on that maybe there might still be some out there. And she tells a story about a supposed Diablero. And the story goes like this, you guys. Are you ready for story time? Ready. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So a woman, Diablero, who apparently turned herself into a dog, went and broke into a white man's house and tried to steal <clears throat> his cheese. <laughs> <laughs> he steals the cheese. So apparently this wasn't the first time that this man's cheese had been swiped. And so he set up a trap of sorts. And when the Diablero came into his house to chomp on his cheddar, he shot and killed the dog. And then somewhere (laughs) across town, the woman who was the Diablero died. So I guess when I read this, it kind of made me think, so maybe Diableros can transform, but also project themselves to other places, like be two places at once, because I didn't quite understand how she was killed in the house, but then died at home. But yeah, I've, I've heard some variants where Diableros use their familiar, they kind of possess a familiar and then go out and do stuff. So, so their, their body is at home, but, uh, their either their soul has taken the form of an animal or their soul has possessed an actual animal that they're in league with. Man, huh. I, yeah. that makes sense. I kind of like, I kind of figured that was the case with this since 
She yeah. was at two places at once, but don't you mean it was the queso with this? <laughs> that was good, James. I like that. Hmm. But anyways, long story short, the woman's family, they came at the man and they demanded money for killing their family member. And so then the man paid up and the woman who shared this account with Castaneda about the Diablero, she mentioned that it's a Diablero rule. Uh, like kind of like a law that one must share their lessons and powers with a family member. So I guess so the Diablero generation can go on mm-hmm. and it's unclear as to whether this would have continued or not without the trainings. But anyways, I, uh, I read somewhere that there, it was believed that Diableros were 25 generations deep. So it was like for a long time in that Diableros, they, were very, uh, re- is it reclusive? Yeah. Yeah, they liked to go and live by themselves, like sometimes in little huts. They were they didn't go out mm. in the public very often. But anyways, that's that's the story, you guys, of the Diablero mm. per this woman in Castaneda's book. <laughs> in Castaneda, he was really just the key source of all of my information per a number of sites that basically said the exact same thing. Sorry, James. Louise started to fall off the couch right there. So I was wondering, I was like, I heard a, a collar rattle. <laughs> yeah, we took her collar off. But she's hanging off the couch right now. She keeps popping her head over the side and then starting to slip off of it. So we <laughs> keep having to try and catch her here. Let's just let it happen, Alex. Next time it happens, just let her fall. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Costaneda. Everything that I saw, like, I, I found some websites seven pages and beyond on Google about Castaneda and also his Wikipedia page. But I also found a YouTube video and I was so excited about it because it said skinwalkers and Diableros. And I was like, okay, cool. So maybe skinwalkers and Diableros are linked. And then I turn on the video and it's literally just this guy reading a passage from Castaneda's book that I've already read on three other websites. (laughs) So I got very upset, but this website called angelfire.com had a pretty thorough breakdown of Carlos Castaneda's work and the general idea about Diableros because again, they're like into skinwalkers. So James, did you want to mention anything about skinwalkers? Um, just, just the, there's definitely a connection because the overlap is huge, but also a lot of people have called Castaneda's work into mm, speculation because there's a lot of there's there's a few holes in his story. The biggest being that he talks about sorcerers in general um, as as nagwals and as diableros when there's a lot of more terms that that would make more sense for a lot of the things he describes. And so a lot of people have said, well, that kind of and you know coupled with you know how outlandish some of his stories are, a lot of people think Don Juan didn't exist and that. Yeah. This is really more like fiction that he's promoting, kind of like uh, a lot of our UFO folks. Yeah. You know, but yeah, there's a huge parallel with Diableros and uh, Skinwalkers to a point where I'd say they were probably the same thing at one time. And Catholicism viewing the lens of, of evil as being purely diabolical in nature. Yeah. Uh, lended itself to, to changing the name from one thing to something more satanic. So I think that's really like the, the key connection there. Yeah, I I read on angelfire.com, it really went into the fact that anybody who kind of uses something to override just natural forces can be mm. considered evil, whether they're doing it for good or bad. Because mm. you're using something that you shouldn't be using that's not naturally given to you. 
Forbidden. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. But um, again, as James mentioned, a lot of Castaneda's work is really kind of disputed. Yeah, a lot lot of people think that it's just kind of – because he was – I think that, if I'm correct, he was an anthropology student. So a lot of his – Stuff they kind of think he kind of picked different pieces from other cultures and kind of rolled them together mm-hmm. to create a lot of his work. And yeah. he apparently Castaneda was very private, like he did not like speaking in public at all. One second, our dog is just mm-hmm. wandering. She fell off the couch and now she's wrecking our podcast. Okay, so <laughs> he. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, anyways, so Castaneda, again, he was very private. He did not like speaking in public. He was the subject of an article in Time Magazine, and they described him as, quote, an enigma wrapped in a mystery, wrapped in a tortilla, which is just (laughs) so unbelievably. That makes me angry for some reason. And then he really stopped appearing publicly after someone interviewed him and confronted him about, you know, all of the discrepancies in his work. And his response was, quote, to ask me to verify my life by giving you my statistics is like using science to validate sorcery, Ooh. end quote. And then after that, he was like, I'm done. I'm done talking to anybody about this. You can read my stuff. You can like it. You can hate it. I don't care. I'm going home. And so that was <laughs> Castaneda. He passed away in 1998. But his books have sold a lot of copies. Apparently, James has read some of them. Yeah, and I, I just want to add one more thing. I just think it's super neat and peculiar that almost every culture, when they look at witchcraft, turning into an animal, particularly a dark animal, is just one fundamental component. Like, it's, it's, it's everywhere. You know, sorcerers turn into animals, and... Evil sorcerers in particular are more prone to turn into an animal. And if, you, if we think about it, like, one, you're, you're defying the natural order. And two, you know, what, what are the things that we think of make a person evil? And that is often that they are animalistic. So I think there's a little parallel there. Hmm. hmm. Well, that's all I really have about Diableros. James, what are you talking about? I'm talking about Tanuki. Tanuki. I flipping love Tanuki. I've, I've been, actually been trying to get Alex to watch a movie for a decade now. <laughs> yeah, Pompoko. Flipping love Tanuki. I don't even know um, what Tanukis are. Well, we'll watch Pompoko okay. this weekend, Cece. Oh, I can't wait. Oh. Um, well, let's start with the, the, the <laughs> science before we go into the myth. Because okay. Tanuki are 100% real. It's just, are they shapeshifters? <laughs> so... There really is an animal called a Japanese raccoon dog. And actually, there's different raccoon dogs in like Russia and other parts of Asia. And the Japanese one is just a subspecies. Sure. But there's a few things to know. One, they are very, very prominent in Japanese culture. You see them in lots and lots of different places. In fact, one of my favorite commercials is uh, a real estate commercial that involves Little Red Riding Hood and a Tanuki. It's hilarious. And this is this is the, the real thing to note about Tanuki that is unique. Um, tanuki look kind of like raccoons. They look a little doggish, hence the name. They're adorable. But they have they're adorable and they have ridiculously big testicles in proportion to their body. Well, wow, and this yeah, is a it's a big yeah, thing. Well, it's, it's important, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because a lot of their their roles in both 
myth and legend and pop culture, even including that commercial I mentioned, it references this a lot. Sometimes it's played for laughs and sometimes it's not. But more often it's played for laughs. And in fact, if you go in front of a lot of bars in Japan, quite often there will be a statue of a tanuki in front of it. And it's a little reminder, like not to drink too much because tanuki love to drink in the legends. And, you know, drinking has a negative effect on men in certain ways. And so that's literally what they're showcasing. They're like, you know, you're going to end up like this tanuki here if you, you keep it up. So that's that's one component of it. But there's another aspect of Tanuki that's interesting. And really, there's I'll, I'll touch up on a little bit about another shape-shifting animal in Japanese mythology. But uh, Tanuki, that's what they're most known for. They are shapeshifters in the stories. Um, the biggest and most common accounts where you'll, you'll hear about Tanuki being shapeshifters is quite often they'll take the form of say a merchant or something and they'll come to town and they'll spend a ton of money and everybody's all excited because this person's spending a bunch of money and they leave. And once they're out of sight, the money turns into leaves. So that's one unique thing about Tanuki. Unlike what I've also touch up on uh, Tanuki have the ability not just to shape shift, but to sort of turn other things briefly into other things. Hmm. So they're not just shape shifters, they're they're shifters of everything in general. And I think that's a fun component of them. In fact, shape shifting is often either diabolical or trickster related. It's humorous. There's I mean Loki in the the Marvel movies is a great example. His his trickster nature uh goes hand in hand with the fact that he shape shifts. Hmm. Well, that's 100% true with Tanuki. Most of the stories are not very negative or, or scary. It's more about them just tricking people. And in some of the stories, they actually need a leaf to push against their forehead in order to transform. <laughs> and we see them everywhere in, in Japanese pop culture. A great example would be Tom Nook of uh, Animal Crossing. Like, that's his name, Tom Nook. Tom Nook. Tanuki. That's it's literally a pun mm. on the fact that he is a raccoon dog. Okay. Thankfully, he's not anatomically correct because that would be a really weird video game. But yeah, but a, a lot of times they're also depicted, uh, especially because of the syncretism between Shinto and, and Buddhism. Um, they're often displayed at Buddhist temples, and sometimes they're depicted as wearing like little sandals. Um, and that's because there is a folk tale. <laughs> oh, it's a really cute folk tale um, about a raccoon dog that rewards somebody who saves them uh, using their shape shifting powers. It's, it's a very. It reminds me a lot of. Uh, oh shoot! What's that fairy tale with the little uh, puss in boots? Uh, which again, perfect example if you think about it. Puss in boots is a cat who shape shifts and is a trickster and uses it to reward good and punish evil. Well. Bunbuku Chagama is an incredibly similar story. It's basically Japanese uh, Puss in Boots. Hmm. You know, and yeah, that's a little bit of a, a stretch, but still. There's also rituals where Tanukis are sort of, ah, revered's a little strong of a word, but, you know, certain Tanuki were, were given names and, and, and took part in some of these, these Shinto rituals. So... I wouldn't go so far as to call them deities, but they definitely have a divine nature in some circumstances. Now, that reminds me, though, of another 
shapeshifter that I'm just going to touch on, even though technically this is about Tanuki, really they kind of go hand in hand, and that would be Kitsune. Kitsune are foxes, and as nobody needs explaining, foxes are also real. So just like Tanuki, they are a real thing. I know, right? (laughs) Shocking. Um, But they're a little different. One, they don't transform other things. Two, they're very prone to turn into women and seduce men and produce uh, half kitsune, half humans who are often sort of like wizards. Well, they have powers, uh, which is interesting. And some of that has to do with a a pun on the name. Kitsune sort of means lie with me, like the way it's said. Uh Um, Yeah. And that's in a lot of pop culture, too. There's actually a Korean show. It might even be on Netflix. Uh, I remember briefly seeing something about it, but it's like I married a nine-tailed fox, and and that's another example in pop culture is the what's that Pokemon that's a fox with nine tails? Is it nine actually tails. called nine tails? Yeah, it's yeah. Nine tails. okay. <laughs> um, you know, again, lots and lots of pop culture surround Kitsune and Tanuki, but Kitsune are one they're 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 more significant in a lot of cultural respects because they are actually messengers of a god. Whereas Tanuki, they're just sort of free agents. Um, a lot of Kitsune actually represent Inari, who is the rice god in Shintoism. Uh, unique little fact about Inari, he's a hermaphrodite. Why? Well, because the rice plant is hermaphroditic. So kind of oh. neat. But, uh, but yeah, Kitsune are sort of divine messengers. But a lot of the stories about the ones who aren't working for Inari, they tend to be a lot more diabolical, for lack of a better word. They tend to engage in... In the same kind of trickery as Kits, uh, as uh, Tanuki, but a lot of times it takes darker turns. Case in point, seducing men and producing half fox people. <laughs> um, and one of my favorite Japanese foods happens to share the name with it because uh, these are often offered to Inari, the rice god, are uh, little fried cakes of tofu. I love uh, Kitsune udon, which is udon noodles with these little fried um Tofu cakes, really, really delicious. Oh, I know I'm that's so a little off topic, but oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! And another aspect of the the onomatopoeia, possibly for kitsune, is the word kitsu itself. Actually, kind of, sort of, in Japanese, sounds like the yelping noise a fox makes. So there's tons and tons of puns. Oh, I didn't mean for that to rhyme. Uh, <laughs> there's lots of puns and an onomatopoeia relating to Kitsune and Tanuki both. Um, But I love both of these animals because one, it's interesting to see trickster shape-shifting creatures that aren't inherently evil because most shape-shifting creatures, with the exception of Puss in Boots in the West, uh, they tend to be really, really scary and and bad. Whereas these guys are more mischievous. They kind of remind me a little bit more of like uh, elves and gnomes and whatnot. However, There is one really dark component. Uh, Kitsune and Tanuki alike, being sort of magic and spiritual beings, even though they have a body, they can do certain things that are more ghost-like. And that includes, and this is much more common among uh, Tanuki, possession. No. So, yeah, yeah. So Kitsune in particular can possess people. So in order to save that person, they have to be exercised. And usually what you do is you go to an Inari shrine, because again, Inari has authority over uh, Kitsune. And this is the really scary part. This is the only dark part of my story. Um, It's not like uh, the exorcist 
in the, in the West uh, where you, you know, sprinkle holy water on somebody. Uh, basically what you're trying to do is make the body uninhabitable for the spirit. So you burn them and you beat them and you you just, you basically ruin, ruin their body to get the, the spirit out. So yeah. And lastly, this is the last thing I'll talk about. And that is that uh, just like with in the West, Wendigo syndrome and people who think they're werewolves and whatnot, there are a hundred percent people who suffering from mental illness, believe that they are a Kitsune or a Tanuki. Hmm. So that's a thing. And it's fun, not fun for them, obviously, but it's a fun little thought experiment to consider that maybe all forms of shape-shifting uh, into animals stem from some sort of dysmorphia relating to mental illness. Interesting. Huh. So yeah. Have never yeah, they call that more. clinical lycanthropy. Huh. I've never heard of that before. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, it basically just means like, you know, psychiatric werewolfism. (laughs) Well, you know, you said creepy, like in the Western world, most shapeshifters are viewed as creepy. And that was Mm. the one thing that made me really upset about this topic, James, was seeing the (laughs) pictures of uh, so-called shapeshifters on various websites Mm. where it's like it looks like a human, but they're like walking backwards or they're walking really weird. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna have nightmares tonight, Alex. When I went upstairs to brush my teeth earlier, I, I, it was dark and I had to run through, through oh the room to gosh. turn on the light. It's how scared. Mm. Wow. Now, Alex, are you gonna scare me with your topic? I don't know if I want to scare you, but maybe. What are you talking about? Talking about werewolves, Joy. or as some people know, know them, werewolves. Werewolves. Yeah. So, <laughs> no lie though, I totally thought werewolves were a creation of like American indigenous peoples. Uh, I'm not even sure why I thought that or why I'd been thinking that because I also knew like that they appeared in Greek mythology. Yeah. yeah. So I, 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 did, like, I was like reading about it. Oh, I thought that was the origin that I kept reading. I was like, wait, no, I thought that was, Oh, well, it turns out the Greek mm-hmm. one was probably more right. Okay. Uh, so let me talk about the origin of the creature briefly before I get into a story. Mm-hmm. All right. As far as historians could tell, the possible earliest depiction of the werewolf is in the Epic of Gilgamesh. Gil. Yeah. Which, as many people know or don't know, is the oldest known Western prose written in 1800 <laughs> BC. That's a long time ago. Long time ago. <laughs> prose. Prose. Well, it's just, it's, prose is a very like snobby word, I feel like. Prose. I can see that. I had, my, I had my pinky out when I said it. Um, and so in this story, Gilgamesh turned down a potential lover because she had turned a previous lover into a wolf. And so he was like, I ain't taking a chance on you. <laughs> no. So get away from me. So that was actually our first introduction to werewolves. Mm-hmm. A lover turned into a wolf. Then again, in Greek mythology, we see the legend of Lycon. I'm going to go ahead and say it like that, uh, which Lycon serves, he serves a meal of the remains of a sacrificed boy to Zeus. So he gives him scraps, which for obvious reasons, wasn't too appetizing to Zeus. So also the gods really don't like being fed people. So yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, not just people, scraps of people. So, (laughs) (laughs) so in turn, Zeus turned him into a wolf, which you may have noticed. Uh, that this character's name, Lycon, is very similar to Lycanthropes. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Werewolves. Yeah, the word, the word for werewolves. <laughs> so then we get the saga of Vossungs from Nordic folklore, which is a story about a father and son who put on these mythical pelts and it turns them into the werewolves and they go around murdering and slaughtering a bunch of people. Why do they put him on if it's just going to turn? Was it like an accident they put it on? No, they put it on. No, it's, fight, it's to, to be hardcore. People. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, and that's got a big, long story with it, but that that's the gist mm-hmm. of it. They eventually end up attacking each other, actually. But then they heal each other with mystical whatever, leaf or something like that. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, you can see werewolves have actually been around for a very long time. Now, some people might be confused because these were people that were just turned into normal wolves, right? Yeah. A lot of, I think most people probably, whenever they hear werewolves, they picture those awesome hybrids from po- that were really <laughs> popularized in the 40s by Universal's The Wolfman. Uh, a film that actually I'll be covering soon on another podcast, Monsters vs. Men. Were they ever hybrids? in folklore the answer is yes but during my mm-hmm. research i really wasn't able to determine when the hybrid versions came to be but i did mm-hmm. find a drawing from the 16th century that clearly depicted a hybrid type werewolf like the the werewolf that stands on its two feet yeah this one he's, he's on all fours but he's eating a He's eating like a child, and there's like the remains of people all behind him. Ooh, yeah, it's nice. brutal looking. Like there's there's severed heads and everything. It's a fun time. So, <laughs> but I don't think I don't know if this is widely adopted. The this uh, the hybrid version. I just know that it slowly spread. Now, I also found some interesting ways to find out if someone is a werewolf. Oh. You want to know if Johnny next door is a werewolf, James? Can we find out James? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah, we can find James. <laughs> so this is from uh, this, this is something in Europe. One of the first signs: both of their eyebrows meet in the middle of their <laughs> in the middle of their heads. They have, so have unibrow. Yep. Yeah. Aww. Yep. Yeah. Uh, they have curved fingernails. So I guess they just don't clip them. Uh, they have low set ears and a swinging stride. Oh, well, I guess we can get James out of that. <laughs> yeah. So, uh. one method of identifying a werewolf in its human form was to cut the flesh of the accused. So, you just give them a nice mm. little slice. Slice. And if yep. they're a werewolf underneath that skin, they're going to see fur. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. And a Russian, <laughs> there's a Russian superstition that says that werewolves can be recognized by the bristles under their tongue. Which is just like horrifying. Yes. That imagery is really gross. Um, hair and, under the skin <laughs> is making my skin crawl. Yeah. <laughs> and then the appearance of the werewolf, uh, again, it, it varies from culture to culture. It really doesn't seem to really homogenize into that hybrid version until very late. Um, <clears throat> according to uh, Swedish accounts, though, the werewolf would be distinguished from a regular wolf by the fact that it would, it would run on three legs. So it have one of its little hands out? <laughs> no. One of its legs would be, would be uh, hanging from the back, pretending to be a tail. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. So they would use three legs to run, and it would simulate the tail with, with, its, its, with its leg. <laughs> that, seems, okay. that seems difficult. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, it's a little 
It's a little odd. <laughs> How about y'all like that? <laughs> that, that all, uh, Swedish werewolves sound like the least scary thing in the it's, world. It, it sounds like the most <laughs> hilarious thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, but as far as I could tell, st- stories of werewolves have gone on forever. Yeah. <laughs> like they <laughs> never stopped. We all, there's always stories in Europe or even Asia that have types of werewolves. Uh, predominantly Europe in origin, though. Um, now, I mentioned that there was a bunch of werewolf stories, but I decided to go with one prolific werewolf story. And I've never heard about it. <laughs> this is called The Bedburg Werewolf. James, have you heard of this one? I have. That's disappointing. Uh, so the <laughs> so there, there's this farmer by the name of, and I don't know why it's disputed, but by the name of Peter Stube, also called Peter Stump. I think his real name was Stu, but people, people called him Stump, and I'll tell you why. Here there was it. no... Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you why. Uh, but he's rich, or he, he's, he's, he's well off. He's got it going on. He's a farmer. And Bedburg, the town that he lives in, has a series of these grisly murders that start occurring. Then the people of Bedburg decided to take things into their own hands. And allegedly, they pin this creature that's been going around eating people into a corner. They surround it, and the this wolf morphs into Peter Strube or Stump. And turns out that the reason why I believe they call him Stump is that he's actually missing his left hand. So it was like an insult. Peter Stump. Oh, that's awful. Yeah, that's awful. (laughs) So something actually led to him being determined to be the werewolf. It turns out during one of the hunts when they had encountered the wolf. Did they notice that his paw was missing? No, they had actually cut off the wolf's left forepaw. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. At least that's the story. All right. So then they've captured him. They take him back. They're getting ready to torture the guy with one of those rack and pulls, or whatever they're called, where they put him on the rack and they spin the wheel and it pulls him. Ooh. Yeah. But before they even get him onto the thing to torture him, he confesses everything. (laughs) Ain't that like a serial killer? (laughs) Actually. Crack under pressure. Yeah. So he just gives it up before they torture him. And he goes on to say that he studied black magic since he was 12. And he wears a belt that transforms him. Uh, into the werewolf, and that he did indeed eat and kill livestock, women, and children for over the course of 25 years. Jeez, that's a long time. He says he killed 14 minors, two pregnant women, and ate the babies. Some Some of these that he describes, this is what he describes that he did. I ate their hearts panting hot and raw and proceeded to describe them as dainty, and then he proceeded to describe them as quote-unquote, dainty morsels. By admitting all of this, he was sentenced to death. And his mistress and daughter were told to join him because they had been harboring him. Um, So they proceed to have one of the most horrific executions I think I've seen. (laughs) It's pretty rough. This is, uh, I was debating on whether to go here or not, but it's pretty rough. (laughs) But Let's just say he's cut a bunch and eventually his head's lopped off. And uh, mm. th- Yeah. Mm. Uh, if he was as guilty as he may have been, then he probably had it coming. But mm. there is dispute on whether the torture 
the impending torture was something that led him to just say these things. Some of right. the, his some of his quotes are kind of horrific, but the question is: Are the quotes real? Did he yeah. actually say this yeah. to somebody? There is actually a thought that maybe this was a political hunt instead of uh, an actual one. So people mm. actually had some beef against him and did this. Hmm. But it's also very possible that he had a real psychosis, and that he actually did go around murdering and killing these people too. So we just we just can't and eating and so we we don't really know but there there it's up for debate. Okay. Right now, I did want to give you all something to lighten mood. Thank you. A little bit. Mm. So in 1962, an 80 year old man named Theus in Livonia confessed to being a werewolf. The judges of his sentencing. Sentenced him to 10 lashes for acts of idolatry and superstitious beliefs. <laughs> Where was this? Livonia. They're like, thief, come on, man. <laughs> go, go out back, get 10 <laughs> lashes and go home. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Man, makes me want to sing the Werewolves of London song. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, you know, I was thinking of that the whole time. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, <laughs> but man, yeah. All right. Well, werewolves. You want to see something horrific though? Look up what happened to him. Don't don't yeah. bring it up, you guys. Oh, it's yeah. too yeah. Dark. The funniest thing is that they they put his head on a pike with like a wolf's head. Yes, uh, they did as a warning. And like like somebody is gonna contemplate being a, a, a <laughs> accepting a belt from the devil and eating people, but then they see that and they're like, oh, forget that. Uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They never they never found the belt. By the way, they told mm. them where it was and they were never able to find the belt. Kind of makes me skeptical of the whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> but I I didn't know that there was like a werewolf witch trial hunt that actually occurred mm. as well. I learned that through this. Man. And Alex, you were like, I don't know if I want to do werewolves. Yeah, and werewolves just are. seemed boring. And then I had a, I had a good time. Like just always. Like, mm-hmm. I know. You all both predicted just it. Like and you're both right. Yep. Yeah, James was right. <laughs> um, well, you guys, that's werewolves, Tanuki, and Diableros. Yeah, and a little bit of Kitsune. Yeah, a little bit of Kitsune, too. So, do you guys have anything else that you want to add before we draw from the base? Join us on Patreon. It's a good, it's a good time over there, people. Yeah, it's coming out soon. You Got guys. some fun content. It's a little different. Hick. James gets so excited about it that he hiccups every time we talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, are we ready to draw from the base? Yeah, we're ready. All right, let me go yeah. get it. Go get it. Hold on for one second. Beep, boop, beep, boop, boop, boop. Boop. You think we would prepare this? Yeah, I know you would. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, so every now and then I do. All right, I'm gonna go ahead and start mixing it. Mix it, mix it, mix it up. Do you want to grab it or you want me to grab it? The very big cup. These headphones are getting in the way. All right, you guys. Next week, we are going to be talking about. Ooh, this we're gonna be talking about superstitions. Oh. So that'll be a fun one. This was recommended to us and submitted by Rusty in Kentucky. So, Rusty, thank you so much for sending this in. I do remember when Rusty submitted this topic. Well, thank you, Rusty. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Thank you so much. You guys, if you want to submit a topic to us, 
Are there any fun facts about Rusty? Oh, Rusty, Rusty, yes. Let me let me pull up my oh fun my facts. I'm sorry. I feel like we don't even know the man. I know. I forgot. I forgot oh. all about it. If you want to submit topics to us, you can submit it to um, the Thirteenth Floor Pod at Instagram. Instagram. Uh, the Thirteenth Floor Podcast at Gmail dot com. And the 13th Floor Podcast uh, website. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's see. Let's see. All right, you guys. You want to hear some fun facts about Rusty? Yeah. <laughs> he once played a mossy rock in his elementary school production of The <laughs> Wizard of Oz. <laughs> mossy rock. And that was his credit in the playbill. Every It was uh, the funniest Let's thing. See. He didn't have any lines, so it was just his face painted green, <laughs> okay. looking through a little rock formation. So okay. that was his uh, his claim to fame was Mossy Rock, and also he once ate cat food on a dare. <laughs> Guess what? I did that too. <laughs> and you know what? Goodness, it wasn't as bad as I was expecting it to be. Oh, it was not wet food. It was okay. dry food. I pictured wet food. No, I pictured it was too. dry food. It tasted like lemons, actually. It was really weird. But anyways, all right. It explains what? so much about you. Yeah, maybe why I don't like lemons. She'll maybe. eat cat food, but she won't eat shrimp. <laughs> <laughs> all right, time to move on. I think it's time to move on um, because I think that we've reached the end of the show. We're going to talk about mm. superstitions next week. We hope that you'll tune in. Alex, who does our music? Our music is by Grant Cook. You can find his music on Spotify, Amazon Music, iTunes, anywhere you listen to music. You do. So until... Next week, you guys, we hope that you can keep, keep it, it strange. strange. Yeah. Alex, grab grab silly poopy. What? Oh, oh. yeah. Oh, James, this is a joy that needs to be shared with the world. It's a game we play with Gwen. It's a hide and seek game, and when you find it, <laughs> you found me. Oh yeah, my it's god! Basically, it's a piece of plastic rainbow colored poop that you you oh, hide no. it in your house. And you press the button and it starts making little noises. Oh, that's like, terrifying. Hey, come and find me. And then every once in a while you hear a little <laughs> stuff like that. Oh my God. And so it helps you find it. Oh, Who'll tell you? Three year olds. I bet. Highly Ha, 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 ha.